Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Each week, I'll review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in chronological order of publication. And this week, I'm reviewing the 1995 adaptation of Stephen King's 1993 novel by the same name, the Kathy Bates-starring mystery drama Dolores Claiborne. And just a disclaimer for this particular episode, this is the first Stephen King cast episode recorded outdoors. I realized uh, recently that I've been spending all of my time recording these episodes in the basement, and I live in New England, which has the seasons. It's currently summer. It's beautiful outside. I have a nice big backyard with a picnic table. There's really no reason why I should not be recording these outside if I have the opportunity to do so. So if you hear any more um, or any different sort of background noise than usual, it's because I am in the outdoors. So with Dolores Claiborne, I, I don't remember the movie a great deal. I remember having seen it. I remember being uh, bored while watching it, but then again, when it first came out, I was younger. When it came to Stephen King, it wasn't necessarily that I was looking for the deep, introspective movies I was, or the stories I, I, I wanted, the supernatural thrills. So, I mean... It's not as if Dolores Claiborne was being made for me at the time. So I was I was excited to, to get back into it and watch it through a new lens and a new perspective and really focus on what Kathy Bates was doing. And I also remember having seen the movie that first time and I was upset because they really beefed up the Selena uh, part and uh, they I knew that they had basically built up the, the, the Mackie character, the detective in the movie played by Christopher Plummer and at the time you know I mean I just wanted it to be like the book but now I mean I completely understand that you just can't do that because the book is just a it's just a monologue by <clears throat> Dolores and you you can't film that you need to make it cinematically interesting to watch so you need an actual story so I was interested to see what that story was going to be like and, and how it how it plays out. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read the Wikipedia summary so we have a, a basis upon which I can build my analysis. Dolores Claiborne works as a domestic servant on a main island. The film opens with Dolores having a struggle with her elderly, paralyzed employer Vera Donovan, after which Vera falls down the stairs. Dolores ransacks the kitchen and is then caught by a mailman as she stands over Vera with a rolling pin, apparently intending to kill Vera. Vera dies and the police begin an investigation, believing Dolores murdered Vera. Dolores' daughter, Selena St. George, a successful journalist battling depression and alcoholism, arrives in town to support her mother, despite her own doubts about Dolores' innocence. Dolores insists that she did not kill her wealthy employer, but finds almost no sympathy as the entire town believes she murdered her husband, Joe St. George, almost 20 years earlier. Some of the town's inhabitants harass her by vandalizing her home, taunting her in the street, and driving to her house screaming at her. Detective John Mackey, who is the chief detective in her husband's murder case, is determined to put Dolores away for life. Selena also believes that Dolores killed her father, and so has not spoken to her mother in over a decade. As the film develops, it's revealed that Joe was a, an abusive alcoholic, and one night Dolores had threatened to kill him if he harmed her again. 
Dolores went to work for Vera Donovan as a housemaid in order to raise enough money to pay for Selena's education and had gone to the bank to withdraw her money so she and Selena could flee Joe's abuse. The plan backfired, however, when the bank notified Dolores that Joe stole the money from Selena's savings account. Back in the present, Dolores says that Vera had thrown herself down the staircase and begged Dolores to put her out of her misery. Mackie refuses to believe her and reveals that Vera has left her entire fortune to Dolores. Mackie informs them that he that the will is eight years old, which nearly convinces Selena that her mother is guilty. Dolores finally decides that it's time to reveal the truth to Selena. She did, in fact, kill Joe, and it was actually Vera who suggested the plan to her. Dolores says that she had been pushed to the breaking point upon realizing then Joe that Joe had been molesting Selena, which Selena furiously denies both in the past and the present. After a fierce argument, Selena storms out, leaving her mother to fend for herself. In a flashback to a scene some nearly 20 years before, Vera engages in her regular ritual of berating Dolores, who breaks down crying and confesses her troubled home. An unusually sympathetic Vera implies that she killed her late husband Jack and engineered it to look like an accident. Vera's confession forms a bond between the two women and allows Dolores to take control over her own situation and future. Still in the past, as a total solar eclipse approaches, Dolores and the young Selena have an argument about Dolores' suspicions regarding Joe's sexual abuse of Selena. Selena flees home for the weekend to work at a hotel to raise money from the high number of tourists coming to watch the eclipse. Joe soon returns from work on a fishing boat, and as a treat, Dolores has brought him a bottle of scotch. After Joe gets drunk, Dolores reveals that she knows that he has stolen from Selena's account and molested his own daughter. Dolores provokes him into attacking her and falling down the old well, leaving him to die as he plunges to the stone bottom. In the present again, Selena hears the story on a tape left for her by Dolores, who has foreseen her departure. While on the ferry, Selena suddenly uncovers a suppressed memory of her father forcing her to give him a handjob. Realizing that her mother was telling the truth all along, Selena rushes back to Dolores and as, she, as she's attending the coroner's inquest. Mackie makes a case to be sent to the grand jury in an attempt to indict Dolores for murder. Selena tells Mackie that he has no admissible evidence and that despite an often stormy relationship, Vera and Dolores loved each other. Realizing this has no case, Mackie reluctantly drops the charges. The film ends with Selena and Dolores reconciling on the ferry wharf before Selena returns to New York. So to start the review of the movie, um, the Castle Rock logo, the familiar Castle Rock logo that we all know and love, sweeps over the screen. And in a nice transition between the studio logo and film footage, the first shot we see is of the lapping waves on the shore of a house whereupon uh, we see the shadows of Dolores and Vera fighting with Vera screaming, No, Dolores. Vera tumbles down the stairs. Kathy Bates looks panicked, heads into the kitchen in a hurry before grabbing a rolling pin. She's about to bring the rolling pin down on Vera before she's spotted by the mailman, and it's clear that she looks like she's guilty. From there, the movie deviates drastically from the novel by flashing to New York, where we meet Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays Dolores' daughter, Selena. Now, keep in mind, in the novel, King references Selena's life in New York, though she's a lawyer in the book, not a writer, so it's not as if this changes out of the blue. 
it dramatized drama. It dramatizes an aspect of the story that was 100% Dolores in the novel. Now, remember, in the novel, we are told the events of Dolores' life through her narration of the events of the police. With the inclusion of Jennifer Jason Lee's character, the director is establishing that this film will be a story about mothers and daughters rather than the examination of the life of a woman who happens to have a daughter, as King portrayed Dolores in the book. Now, I know that what I just said kind of minimizes Selena's plight and the actions that Dolores takes in the book. Um, but still, the, the novel is really always about Dolores. And this movie is not so much, even though it's it's entitled Dolores Claiborne, it's it's really about the relationship between Dolores and Selena. And this is not a complaint. Um, as I've stated before, I am, in other podcast reviews, I am all for when a director or a screenwriter makes changes to a pre-existing novel. And to be honest, this is not a novel that could have been adapted as it stood. You know, while fascinating, the conflict that was in the novel is not visual enough to exist within an audiovisual medium. A significant change like this makes the viewing experience that much more enjoyable because, frankly, I have read the book. I have the book. I know the book. This makes whatever happens unexpected and fresh. Anyway, Selena returns to Little Tall Island, which is depicted as gray and cold and weathered. It's just not an idealistic place to go. It makes her decision to leave make that much more sense. She arrives to the police station to speak to Christopher Plummer, who plays our wily detective investigating Vera Donovan's murder case, of which Dolores is the prime suspect. And as soon as she arrives, Plummer asks for baby-faced John C. Riley to come out. It's great to see him in this movie. It's crazy to see him looking so young. Allowing Jennifer Jason Lee's character to interact with the townsfolk opens up more possibilities for storytelling allowing characters to bounce off each other in more interesting ways. 11 minutes into the movie, we get something that we didn't get at all in the book, the reunion between Dolores and Selena. And it's pretty sad, to be honest. When Selena walks into the room, Dolores doesn't even recognize her. Now, though Kathy Bates has not had that much screen time as Dolores so far, she owns this character, showing just how tough she is not phased by Mackie's scare tactics or the jeers from the children, going so far as to threaten them in front of the police. But as tough as she may be, you can see that her vulnerability lies within her relationship, or lack thereof, with her daughter. Once they arrive back to Dolores' house, we see the graffiti on the walls, demonstrating how the town thinks of the alleged murderer. The director teases the mystery of the past, the search party, filmed in bright color to contrast the deep blues and grays of the present. Dolores' house, which she clearly hasn't lived in years, rather having lived with Vera Donovan, is a disaster. A nice touch to symbolize the relationship between herself and Selena. Dolores soon discovers that Selena has a pills and drinking problem. During an incredibly awkward dinner scene, Selena drops the bomb by asking Dolores about the death of her father. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not a question, it's, a, it's an accusation. <clears throat> Dolores again flashes back to the past, giving us our first glimpse of David Strathairn as Joe, who comes alive around his daughter and is cold and distant to his wife. While present-day Selena might have acknowledged the murder of Joe, we don't know yet why Dolores was driven to it though this scene certainly gives her reason to, when he unexpectedly pounds her in the back with a piece of wood. And later he's versibly, ver 
and later he's verbally abusive, making fun of her looks. It's small, it's mean-spirited, and we see the strength of Dolores when she finally stands up for herself, smashing him with a pitcher of milk and threatening him with an axe. We are then introduced to Vera Donovan in a flashback. Now, Vera, I always felt, should have been played by Jessica Tandy. Um, but here, I, the actress playing her does a great job. She's cold, she's prim, she's rigid. And then the novel pulls a page from the book by launching, uh, just very jarringly, I have to say, into voiceover narration, which really confused me. It's as if it's a scene from a different version of the movie, one narrated by Dolores, as the novel had been. The scene establishes the, the very rigid rules of Vera Donovan and the importance of Dolores depositing the money into the bank. I mean, it winds up turning out that the voiceover narration that we hear is one half of a present-day conversation between herself and Selena. Um, but while we are in the past receiving the voiceover narration, it does not feel that way. It feels like uh, Dolores is speaking specifically to us. Meanwhile, back in the present, Mackie and Dolores have another head-to-head -head where they trade barbs, she insulting him by referencing his wife, and he letting her know that his wife had died 12 years ago and stresses that she had died of natural causes, insinuating that Dolores' own spouse had not. During the next flashback, we get a little taste of Dolores from the book, meaning how she's taken control in the police interrogation scene. We get the origins of the animosity between the two, and what I like about this movie is that there's no villain. A lesser movie would have painted Mackie as a clear bad guy, but if you think about it, he's nothing but a professional who is convinced that Dolores has murdered her husband, which she has. So he's perfectly just in wanting to uphold the law and arrest a murderer, and she's perfectly just in protecting her daughter. Her daughter, who grew up to have a pointless plot, by the way, in which she yells at her editor ex-lover about the story that, he, that was going to make or break her. This was going to be the one, guys. It's a completely useless subplot that does not add anything at all. It just allows Jennifer Jason Lee to stew in her self-loathing, justify her black attire, and smoke cigarettes and chug hard liquor. A mob then rolls up to Dolores' house, firing guns and jeering. She's then haunted by the ghost of Christmas past when young Selena cuts herself with a Christmas ornament after the murder of her father by her mother. The scene ends with a very striking shot of Dolores' house framed against a dark red sky. I'm very impressed with that particular shot. For me, it was a highlight of the movie. Later in Vera's house, Mackie reveals that Vera had left everything to Dolores, establishing that Dolores had a clear motive to kill her. Dolores designs to angrily walk down the street while Selena drives, trying to get her in the car for no reason other than to give Jennifer Jason Lee a reason to chase after her for dramatic tension. She orders her mother to get in the goddamn car, and I immediately wish that she had said instead, get in the cock a car. A flashback to the not-too-distant past illustrates the dignity, I'm sorry, the indignity of Vera's existence and Dolores' deep reservoir of patience for her spells. We soon learn that it's a scene that we had opened with from the movie, where, except whereas the opening had looked like Dolores was trying to kill her, we find out that she was actually trying to save her from killing herself, which she does. We are then given the climactic fairy scene between mother and daughter in which Dolores gets to the bottom of why Selena had been acting strangely, something which we had not seen at all. 
We'd only had one flashback to life with Joe when things are rosy between he and Selena, and one flashback post-abuse where she's suffering from the effects of the abuse without any lead-up to the downward spiral. It makes Dolores' realization come out of the blue, which in theory should, you know, work to sell us on being placed in Dolores' shoes. I mean, we should feel like she does, completely blindsided. However, it just feels like we're missing some crucial scenes that show Selena's withdrawing into herself. You know, which I'm not necessarily asking for because the movie is already over two hours long at this point. But something's missing. At the bank, Dolores speaks to Warden Norton himself. Or rather, Bob Gunton, the actor who played Warden Norton from The Shawshank Redemption, who tells Dolores that the money that she's been slowly building up from her torturous work sessions with Vera Donovan is now gone. In the present, Selena rejects the idea that her father had abused her. In the past, Selena runs to Vera's place and Dolores finds the old well on her property. The movie begins to build towards the eventual solar eclipse. Meanwhile, the present begins to build towards the inquest, which is the encapsulation of the spirit of the novel itself. Both narratives are heading towards their respective climaxes. In the past, Vera guides Dolores to murder, and in the present, Dolores gears up to go to the police. <clears throat> we then see the murder of Joe St. George as he watches the eclipse. David Stathairn clearly standing against a green screen. And in my favorite scene, after confronting Joe about the abuse, Dolores tells Joe that he will be heading to Shawshank Prison. It's one of the only times I can think of in a Stephen King movie where they give a shout-out to one of Stephen King's other movies, and it's something that I wish more of his movies would do. Start building that shared cinematic universe. Dolores leads Joe to his death, and his fall into the well is tense and drawn out, everything that it should be. After Selena has a flashback to her father's molestation, she has a very creepy moment in the bathroom of the fairy that feels like an outtake of The Shining where Selena looks into the mirror and sees the back of her head. It's a super creepy moment. It's very weird. It doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie, but I'm glad that the director included it because it really it really caught me by surprise and it locked me back into a movie that I was checking out from. At the Inquisition, it, it all comes out on a table. Selena comes to the defense of her mother and baby-faced John C. Riley even admits that Dolores looks surprised when Mackie sprung the news on her the day before. In the novel, when in the presence of the police, Dolores is in complete control. Here, Dolores doesn't say anything. Instead, this is completely Selena's scene, which makes sense for this movie because it allows Selena to take control of her life. Now that she's been able to accept what has happened to her, she reconciles with her mother, giving us another scene on the ferry, and just like that, it's over. Okay, guys, what I'm going to do now, as you know from uh, listening to other uh, reviews of, of the movies, and at this point we are, uh, we're not even a half an hour, what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about, you know, the, the book versus the movie, you know, in a head-to-head -head battle, uh, you know, who wins? So first, uh, let's talk about Vera. Movie Vera versus book Vera. Now in the movie, Vera is portrayed by Judy Parfit, and she does a good job, but I feel like we don't even get a glimpse of who Vera really is. I mean, the, the, in the novel, this woman is a, she is a force of nature. She is a, you know, New England, you know, weather system that's coming in and just destroying this, this little town and, and the, you know, and, and the, the life that, that, uh, 
Dolores lives. She has to just shelter herself from the constant barrage of this woman's, not fury, but just disposition, which is, like I said, some natural disaster at all times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she does a great job in the movie, but, I mean, I have to go with the novel because Vera Donovan is just something, something else. I mean, and then, you know, we, we get her when she's in her prime and stoic and, you know, dignified and just cold, and then we get her at the end of her life when she's just been robbed of all dignity and she's insane at times, screaming about the dust bunnies. So I have to go with the book on that. And then... Uh, Let's go with Detective Mackey. I, I, I mean, it's Christopher Plummer. I mean, and he's great in the role. He's smug. Uh, you know, I mean, he's knowing. You know, I mean, he, he talks around the fact that, you know, D Dolores has murdered the, uh, her husband. And I'm going to go with Christopher Plummer's Detective Mackey from the movie because his inclusion adds so much to the movie experience. And his inclusion is not, he's not really in the book at all. So I'm just, I'm going to go with the the movie with the caveat that well I'll get to that later but for right now I'm going to go with Detective Mackey from the movie now uh, the eclipse the eclipse it does not it doesn't land in the movie I guess is what I'm trying to say it, it's presented we go through the eclipse but the eclipse is it means so much more in the book which also has the benefit of being a companion piece to another Stephen King novel, Gerald's Game, whereas the movie does not have that. So the eclipse does not feel like what it should or what it did in the book. So in the book, I mean, the light's going out, the sun's going out, and this is a novel about molestation, and that is some deep symbolism that I think really encapsulates what Stephen King is trying to say about molestation, whereas here in the movie, the solar eclipse is a solar eclipse. That's a plot point. So I have to go with the book on that one as well. well. Let's talk about Selena. Now, I'm glad that Selena had a role to play in this movie. I was excited heading into this movie that Selena would play a bigger part. Like I said, it would make this more of an enjoyable experience for someone that just read the book and wanted something a little different from the book. And it's not as if I have anything against Jennifer Jason Lee. It's just this performance, I guess it's very high school, is how I would describe it. Like, it's what you would kind of expect a high school actor or actress performing on a high school stage. It's very melodramatic. It's very angsty. Um, you know, this is a woman that has been shaped by horrendous moments in her past. And I don't know. I mean, she just, or when she's acting sullen, it's very, uh, it's very childish to me. And then in the end, when she is in the um, inquest, it's a scene where it should be triumphant and very dramatic, where she is speaking on behalf of her mother and her wild gesticulations of her arms and... Maybe just the tone of her voice. I don't know what it is. I just, at no point, do I ever take her seriously. And that, it's unfortunate because it really takes me out of the movie. Now, again, I mean, it's not like I have anything against Jennifer Jason Lee. I mean, she is the, I mean, she is in Backdraft, a movie that I loved growing up. Um, 
you know, and she has a, a great supporting role in, in Weeds. So, I mean, I like Jennifer Jason Lee, but this movie, man, this movie is not not what I would call her best work. So I have to go with Selena from the book, even though Selena from the book is not even really in the book. Which leads us, lastly, to Kathy Bates and Dolores Claiborne. Now, when you hear that Kathy Bates is playing Dolores Claiborne, that's exciting news because this is Annie Wilkes, you know, someone that had already brought a very memorable Stephen King female character to life. So who better to play Dolores Claiborne than Kathy Bates? And in fact, this is actually her third outing in a Stephen King entry, the the first being Misery, the second being a small appearance in the 1994 ABC TV miniseries, The Stand. So how does her portrayal of Dolores compare to the portrayal of Stephen King's Dolores? Now, what I would say the difference between the two is, is that Kathy Bates has softened Dolores to make her more dimensional. Whereas in the book, Dolores is a rock. You know, Dolores is completely in control at all times. And with Kathy Bates' Dolores, we see vulnerability. And we see that vulnerability to highlight the relationship between her and Selena, which is not present in the book. We don't see it in the book. So we get a different side of Dolores. And Kathy Bates does a great job with this character. She is fun to watch as Dolores, you know, not giving a crap at all about what people think about her. That's just great to watch. But, but, what Stephen King did with Dolores Claiborne is he created one of his greatest characters of all time. And you can't deny that. So as much as I like Kathy Bates's performance of Dolores, it, it just does not compare at all to Stephen King's creation of this character. So, I mean, the novel is an experience. It is just being in Dolores' head for 300 pages, and at no point do I ever feel like they, they capture that sensation. I don't feel like I'm in Dolores' shoes. If anything, I feel like I'm in Selena's shoes, and that I've already spoken how unconvincing that is. So, unfortunately, I have to go with, as much as I like Kathy Bates, I have to go with Dolores from the book. So, with the exception of Christopher Plummer as... Detective Mackey, I mean, it's the book all the way. The book is such a departure from Stephen King's typical entry. He's trying new things, but he's still sticking to his, his strengths. And he crafts an incredible character. We get to know the entire life of this woman. We are in her shoes and in her head. And there's subtlety there um, at times. I mean, there's, you know on the on the nose stuff as well but i mean it it's definitely worth reading i wouldn't say the same about this movie not that you can read a movie but i would say that it's not definitely worth watching so heading into it i was looking forward to it but i didn't find it exciting i i was kind of tuning in tuning out and the runtime is a little bit longer than i think that it should be and uh it just wasn't the it just wasn't as dynamic as I would have, have have wished that it was. So this definitely goes. I'm gonna go with the 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 book on this one. All right, everyone. That that's all that I got for this week. 
Um, but as always, uh, you know, if you have not done so, feel free to head on over to iTunes and write a review and a subscription because a subscription would really help me get the news out there on, on iTunes. Um, if you want to share your thoughts, please feel free to, to write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. And make sure that you stick around next week as I review Stephen King's entry, you know, how once a decade he'll release a short story collection. Well, we've hit that point, and that collection is 1993's Nightmares and Dreamscapes. So make sure that you check that out. All right, everyone, have a great week, and I will see you here, same King time, same King channel, Stephen King cast. Woo! <laughs>